Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 163 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. One of the things that you and I have covered on a number of occasions on this program is what happens next. We've both gotten our shots. A lot of people have gotten their shots. Some people haven't. And everybody's starting to think about how do we go back to the office? What does going back to the office look like? Uh, do we go back every day? What All of that. Versus the bars, then the restaurants. Right. We'll eventually get back to work. Well, it depends how much time we spend in the bars and restaurants. But yes, I, I take your point. But everybody agrees, I think, that work will not look the same as it did in February, March of last year, right, Robert? I think so. I mean, there's some debate. You see some financial services industries insisting that their employees come back to work. But I think employees are going to have a voice in this, an increasingly strong voice in this. And an employer is going to have a hard time bringing things back to the way they were pre-pandemic. Two people who are thinking about what that looks like, how all of that will work, are Sheena Burrell, the Deputy Chief Information Officer at uh, the National Archives and Records Administration, and Duke Duong. He is the Managing Director for Grant Thornton. Welcome to both of you. Sheena, i start with you because you were talking about this topic from a couple of angles last time you were on the television show uh, with me. What are you thinking about in terms of not just technology, but in the way that your technology team serves all of the employees across NARA as you're thinking about whether they come back to the office or how they're going to work from wherever location they work from in the next six to 12 to 18 months? You know, honestly, a lot of it is technology. Um, I'm actually thinking about how do I continue to operate in a world where we don't have people coming back into the office or where we have some people in the office and we have some people at home. And what does that look like? How does that put a strain on our bandwidth? What does that do from a VPN perspective? But as you guys know, NARA is a paper-based organization. A lot of our business is pulling records off the shelves, filing them once we've pulled them and giving them to the right people. And, and what does that look like as we continue to work from home? And as you said, lots of our employees want to continue to work from home. But then we also have our customer facing part of that where people want to come back to the museums, like the Rotunda in Washington, D.C. A lot of people want to see it. But how do we do that and how do we digitize that? in today's world? Do we do more virtual reality kind of tours of the museum, you know, where you go and um, into a house and you do the virtual 360 tours? Like, do you have some of those type of uh, technology that helps customers be able to stay home and, and safe from a pandemic standpoint, but also be able to take advantage of the the history of our, of our great country? Um, so those are some of the things that I'm thinking about. And, and then how do we do more customer-facing face, activities and digitize them more, make more things electronic? Uh, I know everyone has heard of us talk about M21, where NAR is no longer accepting paper records after the end of 2022. But that whole initiative is really about how do we make a more digital government? And I think the pandemic has made 
all of government really think about that and shift and accelerate even faster than we wanted to. Duke, share your perspective on what you've observed in NERA or for other clients. Thanks, Robert. Uh, you know, I think Sheena makes a great point about COVID being kind of the catalyst for change. And, and, and furthermore, you know, when we return back to work, it's not going to be, you know, it, it'll probably be a hybrid model. And some of the things we need to kind of think about, you know, from a technology perspective is how are we going to create an inclusive culture whereby some people are, are, are working from home, some people are in the office, how are meetings going to function, you know? Um, and I think a lot of that is, is, is you know, um, predicated on the fact that, you know, we need to change our processes as well, the way we think about managing you know, uh, hybrid teams. So, so for example, you know, maybe in a meeting where we, you know, instead of having one monitor whereby everybody is is looking at, all of us log on to our laptops into a Zoom meeting so that you know folks who are remote feel inclusive uh, and, and and not you know have a voice. Uh, furthermore, you know, how do we promote collaboration and innovation? You know, and so I think we need to move beyond Zoom meetings and 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 Microsoft Team meetings and start thinking about taking advantage of collaborative tools. Many don't know this, but FedHeads listeners do, that NARA is actually at the fulcrum a lot of the government's activities. It's almost true that if NARA doesn't say it happened, then it didn't happen. He's just kissing up to you, Sheena. He he doesn't really mean it. I do. Duke told me to do this, so don't blame me. Thanks for uh, throwing your colleague under the bus, by the way. That was nice. No problem. Tell me how all of those functions transitioned to a virtual world. My supposition is that y'all didn't miss a beat, but what were the challenges you faced going to a fully virtual workforce, getting all of those critical functions performed? Can you tell Congress we didn't miss a beat? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I will tell you that we we probably missed a lot of beats. Like I said, a lot of our business process is in office work. It is people pulling records. On a day-to-day basis, you'll see people in our office pushing carts around with boxes or um, just paper on those, those carts. Right now, our biggest issue is uh, being able to provide records for veterans. And we've been working with the VA as they digitize more records and we're utilizing those records to fill record requests. Pre-pandemic, I would say we have maybe about 55,000 cases in our backlog. Now that we're in pandemic, we have maybe a half a million cases in our backlog, which is substantial. I think, um, what, what does that, look like now what are we going to do now i think it's intelligent automation um one of the big things we want to do is get that backlog down how do we do that uh without people in the office and technicians in the office it's the digitization that's happening and once you digitize those records you you're putting in metadata and contextual data those type of things and then I, I, I want like bots in there that are able to go in and process some of these records faster. Um, those are the beats that we miss, but those are the ways that we're going to try to get caught up. Um, but that also shifts the way that people think, right? It's a cultural shift. It's a, it's a process shift. That's a mindset and a trust 
that you may not have had before, uh, especially for people who are not familiar with process automation or process robotics um, or uh, intelligent automation. I can say from uh, what we've done great and, and how we were able to, to continue our business processes, we had to roll out immediately laptops. Uh, again, our our business process is more paper-based, so we didn't have laptops, and we did that very fast. We have probably now about 75% of our agency has a laptop and a device. All of our technicians that were a part of our call center are able to take calls at home utilizing a soft phone technology, so they use their laptops and and actually take calls in a call center environment in their own homes, not even having to be together. Um, we were able to partner with the VA, like I said, to help digitize records. They're digitizing those records for us. And then we're using those records, they're using those records. So it was that interagency partnership. Um, we're continuing to do some pilots with tablets where we're able to have people in the office, but they don't have to have as much interaction as they did before. So we would have someone who pulled the record, gave it to someone to scan the record, hand it back to a person to put the record back on the shelf, where now we're saying, here's this tablet, scan the record while you're right there in the warehouse where the record is located and actually send that record immediately to the person who's requesting it all within one um, area. And so you don't have to have this um, connection and still maintain some of that social distance. So those are the, some of the things that we kind of put in place. But I will tell you, um, it's been very difficult. I, I again probably please go back to Congress and say we didn't miss a beat for trying. <laughs> Duke, the challenge here is immense, as Sheena lays it out there. But what is exciting, I think, is there's a million places across the federal government, at least, and across uh, other forms of government for sure, that will benefit from the work that y'all are doing at the National Archives. The first thing I think of is the cave in Boyers, Pennsylvania, where all of the uh, retirement records are for every person that's ever worked for the federal government. And it's all paper and it's still paper. And Sheena, you guys can say 2022 all you want, but I don't think OPM is gonna be there. I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. So, and I think they've tried three times to digitize that and, and to, really get it in a more technologically advanced track. So there's opportunities here to learn, aren't there, Duke, about how to do this other places across the government? No, no, no certainly, Francis. I, I think, you know, Sheena hits on a great point is the concept of digital thinking, right? So embracing digital thinking, thinking about the outcomes, the mission of NARA is. It's, it's essentially to serve up records and be able to provide, you know, us as U.S. citizens the ability to be able to see the historical archived records that, that you know, basically, you know, kind of detail our, our history. And, you know, and, and, and what Sheena is talking about is really making those records accessible and using digital mechanisms and means and, and the digital thinking to be able to not only serve and accelerate the mission, but also be able to adapt to this new way of working that we have. Uh, and, and, you know, automation is one way to do it. Digital platforms, cloud, you know, which is NARA is a huge adopter of cloud. Um, you know, there's a huge kudos that goes to NARA about being ahead of the curve and, and thinking, you know, not about now, but about the future. What Sheena gets 
your organization to that vision that Duke just laid out about maturing all of this? Um, how do you tie all of this together so that you keep pushing after the buzz of getting out of the pandemic is gone? There's a lot of momentum around that now. Hopefully, a year from now, we're not still in pandemic mode. We're thinking about moving forward. How do you maintain that momentum so that you stay on this digitization drive so that the next time there's an event like this, you don't find yourself stuck in a backlog like you have now for very legitimate, understandable reasons, but still the people who need that material don't have access to it. How do you avoid that? Honestly, it is a transformation of government. It's not only a transformation of NARA. It is the government itself, all of these different agencies taking a hard look at their foundation for digitization and their plans for digitization. If we have more electronic records, then the National Archives is able to service the public and our veterans and, and those who are requesting um, the, those, those records. I mean, for us, our biggest customers are veterans. We, they, they're asking for burial, emergency burial requests during COVID, home loans, um, you know, medical records, all of those things that we need to be able to provide to to the public and whomever is asking. Francis, you also mentioned um, the old retirement records for everybody who worked in the federal government. If those things were already digitized, if we make a more efforts to digitize and store things in the cloud so that we're able to easily access them when, when needed, that also helps us as we be make government more electronic, as we make more applications that service customers where they are, instead of having them come into the office or fill out this form that's a paper-based form. It's, it's really a transformation of all of government. And then NAR benefits from that, but also our constituents benefit from that. I think it's fair to say the whole country has leaned on the federal government more than in its history during the pandemic. Have you seen greater awareness of the critical role National Archives and Records Administration plays for government generally? Uh, either one of you. Yeah, certainly. You know, uh, in addition to our support uh, of NARA, you know, uh, last week I actually was down in uh, Fort Belvoir at the Army uh, uh, the Army Museum. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that they, you know, resonating exactly what she knew was talking about, you know, these records that uh, are, are in existence and, you know, these, these, these images and photos, all of these things, you know, are on the verge of, you know, either deteriorating and we need to preserve them. And, you know, how, how do you preserve them for the next 10, 20, 100 years? And I think it's, it's a function of taking advantage of technologies, the latest image and scanning technologies, the high resolution, the bandwidth, the cloud, all these things come into play, to, you know, at a, at a certain critical junction right now where we need it the most, right? We, you know, we we, we have a, a diverse workforce or remote workforce constituents that are not able to come into, you know, the, the NARA and, and, and Fort Belvoir and receive these records. How do we serve them back up? And I think that this is a critical juncture uh, for us to take on digitization, take on, you know, automation techniques and, and take advantage of the cloud, you know, to be able to serve up, you know, to, to our, our citizens. 
Duke, you've mentioned some of the technologies, and Sheena has two that are available to practitioners like both of you, artificial intelligence, RPA, and all of that. I wonder if it's a blessing or a curse that those things are available because it sounds, neither of you have said anything in the course of this conversation that's not already out there. It's not like somebody has said, well, if we were to do what we really need to do, we would have to go create this new thing. Like the pieces already exist and it's a matter of putting the puzzle pieces together. And I wonder if that's, um, if that's encouraging or frustrating for someone who doesn't have all the tools yet necessarily that one needs to be able to, to solve these kinds of problems. I actually, I can take that because it's us. Um, it's NARA right now. The, the frustrating part is the pandemic wasn't planned, right? Like who planned this pandemic? <laughs> and so Whoever did, see- fire them. so the the big thing for us is people process and technology we don't have enough resources right now to be able to do everything that we would like to do right now we need the resources to sustain and uh, you know make sure that our workforce can continue to work so it's that bandwidth it's the vpn it's your back office infrastructure that we're spending those resources in but continuing to ask also for technology and automation, some of the things that you're talking about, but then it's getting those people to also buy into it, right? It's it's kind of what Duke said in terms of, hey, this is, this is a trust. This is a different way of thinking. Um, and you have to, it's a cultural shift for our agency, for other agencies, getting people to buy into to process automation, you know, robotics is is difficult. It uh, is also like things that we talk about from a union perspective. Hey, is this going to re- this bot going to take my job, you know? And how do you upskill your workforce so that if a bot can do some of the remedial tasks that your workforce has has been upgraded to that. Um it, I think the other thing is so, so it's it's the it's the people, it's the process, it's the technology, and while the technology is available, a lot of stuff that we are seeing through pandemic is is things still move at the speed of government, <laughs> and, and I and I laugh at that, but it's true. Like the government, sometimes we we needed to look at how we're doing acquisitions, especially during the pandemic, and how do we make some of these things faster, easier um, for us to do? Because if not, it it will take the whole pandemic before we actually get an acquisition awarded. I mean, those are some of the things that not only NARA has to consider, it's the whole federal government. It's a transformation of government. Sheena Duke, you have a tremendous job ahead of you and uh, love hearing about how you're chipping away at it. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grand Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.